Hi. We are here. We are here. We are both in between the with, lines. With all these freaking cords around, I feel like I'm in a bondage or BDSM film right now. It's <laughs> like I I can't move. I don't know if you can see us from that angle, but yeah, we've got we got if I move right now, something's not going to work. Yeah, we're um <laughs> we have been fortunate enough to be given a recording space. Yes. Um, at least temporarily. So, check out the new uh, check out the new office. This is our this is our new I do, recording. I do space. have some sh- some shoulder room. Here. Yeah, like I mean, it's a little bit smaller than than what we're used to. Um, shit all over my monitor. We got uh, we got kind of a space that's ours now. So yeah. the, the lighting's a little bit better. Um, uh, sorry about the open door. Uh, the air conditioning is not currently on. No. Uh, so it gets a little warm in here if we don't have the door open. Especially but. with all our hot air. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ah. Exactly. Um, wow. <laughs> so um, last week we talked about the most popular. The third. The most popular amendment. amendment. Of all amendments. Um, and this week we were going to get into the fourth and fifth amendments, but some crazy shit happened this week. 50 year old precedent. 50 years of precedent has been rolled back by the United States Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, in a landmark decision. Um, was it six, three or five, four? Six, three. Six, three. Okay. I've read, I've read both. I'm going to, I am going to shut this door. Just a little the bit. only difference in the opinion is that Roberts was the only person that wanted to not completely throw Roe out. Yeah. That was the only dissenting. Well, and, and you know, but before we get into it, um, check out our old episodes, go back and listen to the episode on the third amendment. Um, go back and check out, um, all of our previous stuff. You can find us on Facebook at PA between the lines. You can find us on Twitter, at the BTL podcast. Uh, don't forget to like, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, um, that really helps us out a lot if you could, uh, like, and subscribe. So, um, the same thing goes for Facebook. We have a Facebook group called between the lines. We have, um, all kinds of outlets for you guys to reach us and, um, kind of give us your feedback. So on Friday night at 6 PM, I do my only fans. <laughs> Uh, so. give, give them the URL. Give them the URL. I talk about politics while I dance and twerk. <laughs> I, I, You've never I mean, seen anything like it in your life. I mean, there's a market. There's got to be a market. Oh, I'm sure there is. There's got to be a market. There, I'm, I'm going after that niche. So um, so anyway, just go back and check out our um, check out our old stuff um, before, we, before we get into it. So again, um, starting this week's podcast, we were going to go over the fourth and fifth amendment, but some crazy stuff happened. Not only did Roe come down though, but, um, they also, there was a landmark case. I can't remember the, the, um, court notes. Um, but, uh, basically it struck down New York's, Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. Uh, uh, permit requirements for concealed carry. 
Uh, for those that are uh, unfamiliar, I'm saying uh, way too much. For those that are un- unfamiliar, New York had New York City in particular, but New York State in general has very strict gun control laws. And in order to get a concealed carry permit, it was required that you show um, an immediate need. And it wasn't good enough to say, like you you've mentioned before in Philadelphia, you they have special requirements for gun permits which after that ruling at that probably going to be yeah at that time it was i i didn't have much trouble to be honest with you i didn't have anybody guiding me through is pretty friendly though yeah in general um it was just at that time for and, now and still up until this day that if you uh went for a permit um in philadelphia it was good everywhere of course that wasn't the other way around, yeah. vice versa. No reciprocity. Which was completely retarded. I mean, if, sorry, I used that word, but... Yeah, the R word, Dave. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in the context of if you live in a state, you would think that state law is pretty much universal. And that's why I, I, I never understood I, I never understood how Philadelphia was able to carve out um, the permit requirements because Pennsylvania state constitution says that municipalities and cities can't make their own gun laws exactly supersede yeah the gun laws of pennsylvania so yeah. it never made sense to me that it's they were state, able to do that it's not state federal and municipality it's just state and federal yeah and that's where <laughs> and the reason being is that way somebody that lives in pennsylvania like we live in lycoming county if we decided to drive to berks county um we shouldn't have to worry about whether we're going to be violating gun laws in our own state. Yeah. You know what I mean? That just doesn't make any sense. That's extra hoops that you shouldn't put people through. You would have to then, you would then have to become familiar with the gun laws of every municipality in Pennsylvania, not just the gun laws of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And that's just not fair for gun owners. Um, So anyway, um, the way that New York was set up, it was, it was even more difficult than Philadelphia. So the way that um, the way that New York was set up is you had to have a like a like an immediate example of why you needed to have a gun for protection. So just saying like what you were talking about before was that um, you had to walk through some sketchy neighborhoods. I had to work in sketchy neighborhoods. Exactly. So you had to. You needed it for self-protection because you were in some sketchy areas. That would not suffice in New York. You had to say, um, I have a boyfriend that's trying to kill me, or I have... You had to give a specific reason as to why you needed that gun permit. And that's ridiculous because you can't anticipate that. Exactly. Who's not to say that your boyfriend isn't a crackpot waiting to crack? Exactly. You know, you could you could be good Tuesday and completely on the other side of the spectrum on Wednesday. I did um, going back to the the row decision. Um, there's been a lot of meltdown, for lack of a better term, on oh, there's social media. And the the one the one person that I was, I I preface this with I try to stay off of Twitter. Yeah. But when the when the when the backlash or the or the uh, meltdown gets too juicy, I just can't I just can't <laughs> stay away. I'm Fair addicted enough. to that stuff. But anyway, this one lady was saying, well. 
now I've now I've got to be afraid all the time that I'm going to be raped and and because I can't have an abortion and this that and the other. I says, well, the Supreme Court also just made it easier for you to carry a gun. So yeah. why don't you just go buy a gun? You'll be safe. That, that is the weirdest logic that I ever heard. Because you can't have an abortion, you're more afraid of rape. Yeah. I, I, and, what and does what is the correlation between? More afraid of rape and abortion. The the one person that I was arguing with was saying now they made, essentially with the end of Roe, it's making women forced to be pregnant. I'm like, nobody's forcing you to be That's get, the to get thing. pregnant. I, I was actually going to mention that. And a lot of the, the protests that have been happening, I've seen these signs where people are putting up signs that say, we will not be your birthing people, people or we won't be your your living wombs or, you know, you know, things of that nature. It's like, well, nobody's asking you to be. Nobody's asking you to do that. Nobody's saying that we're going to start a surrogacy program, you, you know, <laughs> selective sur- surrogacy instead of selective service, instead of drafting, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we draft women to, to, to that, that's, that's insane. That That's not the way that. Now, if, if you're out there protesting because you feel that somebody, the, the laws should be expanded more to allow for that option. I can understand that. And that's that's the point, though. I don't mean to interrupt, but that's the point, is the courts didn't say that abortion, you have no right to abortion, you have, well, it did, but it, it doesn't say any anything like that. All it's saying is it's up to the states and it's up to Congress. Well, it's not up to the courts. So the, the actual, what started this all was the Dobbs jackson women's health organization case yes there was a gestational act that was passed by mississippi um that stated that 15 weeks or the third what is that right before just the after the just after the third trimester starting into the we, we did the math this morning when i was arguing with my wife about it <laughs> gotcha so that being said is that they established that that 15 week marker was basically correlative to the whole heartbeat um and this, this was all based on research. This was not yeah. based off of some willy-nilly, hey, we're just going to put a marker or a point or a thumbtack in this point and say, hey, this is what we're going to go with. This is based on a, a number of research or a lot of research that's been done on this topic. So anyways, long story short, they established in their law that they were going to deny any abortions past 15 weeks. Not entirely. Just past 15 weeks. So in light of that, that was, it was confirmed by the 5th District Court, I believe, that they were in violation of the constitutional provision based off of 14th Amendment establishment and all this 4th Amendment establishment, uh, that it was in violation of those precedents. That's what pushed it to the Supreme Court. And then the Supreme Court looked at it and realized that the law, the case law. So there's there's two or three things that are looked at in the in the course of when the Supreme Court does something like this. They look at previous case law. They look at tradition. And I forget what the third is. I'd have to look it up real quick. But there's a couple of things that they use as litmus, litmus test when they're looking at if this qualifies to be ruled against or ruled in, in favor of. So when they were looking at it, the case law that was used, of course, was Roe v. Wade, and then also Casey versus Planned Parenthood, um, in which the word that Justice Alito used was arrogated, which means that 
Casey assumed, basically assumed is the best way that I can interpret it, that the assumption of the right to an abortion somehow can be derived or pulled out of the language of the first, the third, the fourth, the 14th amendment. There were a couple, there were a number of amendments, but it never really, the, the judgment was, is that the case itself, they never really established or looked at the question of whether it was constitutional or not. They only assumed, and the word again was arrogated. They, they arrogated or just went forward with pulled from thin air. Yeah. Basically, there was no real establishment. And that's why everybody has said that Roe v. Wade, basically, and here's something to remember. Roe v. Wade was decided upon by five Republican-appointed justices. There were only two Democrat-appointed justices, and there were seven at that point. So five of them were Republican. So this isn't a Republican-Democratic issue. The yeah. issue is, is that when it was decided upon, it was trash law to begin with. Uh, not to say that the issue is trash. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the way in which they wrote the law, the way in which they established the precedent, the law itself had no real substance to it. And that's what th that's why this got brought to the forefront. Yeah. This was going to happen it eventually. Was, yeah. Whether it was 50 years from 73 it's or... It's just nobody had the balls to look at it before. Exactly. I think is what, and and, and it's, it, it had never been brought to... Aside from... Aside from Casey and Dobbs, it had never been brought to the Supreme Court yes. before. Um, not in this capacity. Not in this capacity. So, and it also brings up um, another not so known amendment, the Tenth Amendment, which basically states that anything that's not specifically enumerated in the Constitution is to be decided by the states. Yeah, that's the Tenth Amendment. Yes. So this has already been decided. If you look at it from that point of view, um, because there is no right to abortion enumerated in the Constitution, so therefore it would uh, it would go to the states. Yeah. So the states would be able to decide. And what's oh sorry no keep, you're keep fine. Going. So the no. states would be able to decide. That was the end of my. And question. that's what's happening. Um, so interesting enough, now what's becoming the narrative is just the trigger laws that were in place that were sitting yeah, on thirteen their books. states. Had trigger so, laws on the books as soon as Roe Ro v. Wade was overturned. Because think about that: some of those some of those trigger laws have been in place since the eighties. Oh yeah. So they anticipated they've been, they've, been, they've anticipated that eventually this would come down the way that it's come down. Um, now, I as a um, you know as an independent person as a as a I really don't like the term libertarian because that's even even libertarians are kind of crazy in some aspects when it comes to these kind of things. I I, I believe in a person's right to bodily autonomy, um, but at the same time, you're talking about a very sensitive gray area because at what point does the child in the womb get bodily autonomy? Yeah, that's what we're talking about and. On the left, they believe that there is no bodily autonomy for the fetus. It's a it's a virus. It's a it's a it's a parasite. It's it it needs a host. Therefore, it's not a person. Uh, most people on the right understand that if left to its own devices um, and left to time, that 
parasite, so to speak, would develop into a human being. I made the correlation. If you kill a tadpole, are you not killing a frog? Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It hasn't yet grown legs and, and arms. But if you kill that tadpole, you are killing the frog that it would turn into. Yes, it is different than an adult yes, it's, child it, yes. or a grown child or an adult human yeah. being or a teenager. But it's, it's, but, it's, a good, yeah. it's a good analogy because a tadpole, if left to its devices would turn into a frog. So when you kill a tadpole, you are essentially killing the frog it would turn into. Vice versa, when you kill a fetus, you are killing the child that it would turn into. So um, at what point do we... And I think that's the argument that we're going to have to have. We're going to have to have... We're going to have to have this debate. At what point is that fetus autonomous at what point you know at some point you can pull that fetus and it happens all the time premature birth where it can survive on its own it it still needs to develop but you certainly can remove it from the womb and it will survive and i think that on you know ironically is right around 18 weeks uh where it can viably i'm not a doctor i'm not a doctor so you know uh, forgive my ignorance if I'm wrong. I'm 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 nothing more than a Central Pennsylvania redneck. I'm Doctor Nick. Hi everybody. Hi everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, my 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 greater point is is that that's the debate that we need to start having. Yeah. We don't need to argue. Oh, women women are now sub subclass a subclass of citizens because they're not. I respect women. I love women. My mom's a woman. Um, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, I mean, my wife's a woman. My sister's a yeah. woman. I care about women. It's not It's not that. What needs to happen now, in my opinion, is a 34th Amendment. Yeah. Yeah. I think what, what has happened over the last 50 years, because um, it was 73, so 2023 would be the would official would be 50, 50, an- yeah. anniversary. So... What has happened over the last 50 years is that the narrative, the argument has been carried by the fringes. And what I mean by that is that legal precedent can't exist within the realm of fringe ideology. It can't. Um, and I, I don't say fringe to belittle what what either side is saying with regards to it. I say that only because real real legal precedent in other words a law that can be adequately adequately applied and equally proportionate to both sides of you know the living space in terms of ideology and people that live in this country it has to take a middle road legal precedent cannot be a fringe precedent it has How to dare be you. I, I know right sorry <laughs> um but yeah, even like with climate law you know you brought up Mar- Mrs Mrs Greta there yeah um uh, you know, the, the point is, is that there's a balance to climate law. We can't just be these people that say, you know, we're just we're just going to pump everything out of the earth and we're going to spill it into the oceans and we're not going to give a shit about any of it. And, you know, we can't uh, be those people to, to, to that point. I I a I, little little bit of a rabbit trail here. I watched a video yesterday about yeah. climate change and uh, general the CEO of General Motors was introducing the Chevy Volt. And she was bragging on the news. Cl- you can find this on YouTube. I encourage everyone to go to go look this up. 
um, she was bragging about how clean the Chevy Volt is and it's so good for the environment and showing how you charge it and this is where the where you put in the charger and the batteries are contained here and they're made of this and she's going all off on it and then the reporter says well where do you get the electricity for it and she looks at him and she says from the from from the from the charger and you, you put it into the thing well yeah I get that but where's that electricity coming from and she kind of looks confused and she says well from from the building and then he's like no where does the building get its electricity and then it then she it dawns on her and she's like oh uh, probably from coal <laughs> yeah exactly wait a second <laughs> isn't that a fossil fuel yeah and then the then the then the I don't know whether it was the auditor or whatever it was. The, the one of the, they cut to one of the other guys. He's like, "Oh yeah, ninety percent of our ninety percent of our electric ninety eight percent of our electricity comes from coal and natural gas." Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like, like well, so what what are we doing here? Well, it's just like one of those things we have a tendency to put the cart before the horse. Yeah, none of none of us have any problem with EVs or hydroelectric vehicles or. What is the other one? Hydrogen. Even, even hydrogen. Even yeah. Elon has a problem with hydrogen for some reason. Well, it's maybe very, because it's very unstable. Yeah, Hindenburg. Well, it was all yeah. It was always a joke in because um, I think it was Iceland was one of the first countries that actually really because most of their homes are actually powered by geothermal. Yeah. So and but also Which is genius is is genius to use your what's available to you instead of making yeah. out of what's yeah. not there. But um, that being said, a lot of fuel cells were in use during like the 60s and 70s in cars and such and everybody would make a joke about one day we're just going to see iceland just blow off the map or something because all the cars just blow up at once or whatever yeah. the case be but nonetheless neither here nor there yeah rabbit trail rabbit trail again but, but the point was yeah what the fringes the fringes so now again you can be a person conservatively believing you can believe that uh, life becomes starts at inception. On the other end of the stick, you can believe that life starts nowhere. Yeah, you know, essentially. So you, but somewhere in between is where the law has to rest. Uh, otherwise, the law can't adequately be a, you know, applied. And so what what happened in my in the way I look at it is that the twenty two was it twenty two weeks that was established as the marker point within Roe v. Wade. Um. Not familiar. I'm not familiar. Why okay. Yeah. But anyways. We'll, we'll look it up. But there was, there was a time frame in which that was marked. And that was one of the reasons why the Gestation Act of Mississippi was brought to the forefront because it established 15 weeks instead of 22 weeks. So it was basically rolling back um, a precedent, you know, or an established precedent of time frames. So basically... A lot of the reason and why this got to the Supreme Court is because they're in their mind it was a direct violation of allowing somebody to have an abortion between that 15 to 22 week you know time frame so it it, it just what it does is it brings up the question as to whether or not we've really talked this out whether we have really established any substantial reasonable claims as to when life begins because you know in order for the left and right to exist within this country we have to have some kind of a norm we have to have a norm now that doesn't mean that we throw away what our personal beliefs are with regards to it i don't believe that uh, i mean if you believe that life begins at conception then continue to believe that i'm not asking people to throw that out the door 
On the other side of the stick, if you're a nihilist and believe that life is you know, futile and there's no point to it, then fine, go ahead. Believe that life doesn't begin anywhere and it's just pointless. That That's up to you. That's your decision. But in order for you as to be a citizen in the U.S., you have to subscribe to laws. And in order for those laws to have equal application. So I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, no. but I looked up the Roe v. Wade and um, it appears like they, they didn't set a they didn't set a week limit in Roe v. Wade. It it made an exception to allow states to ban abortion post viability. Okay. So after the fetus is viable, you weren't allowed to. States would would be allowed to say after the fetus is viable, you're not able to abort. They can they can. The bans would be legal. And wasn't it something like 22 weeks was like that's the, the that's the thing is that's why Roe v. Wade was a bad precedent because viability has changed. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. The the point of viability now is as early as 10 weeks. You, you know what I mean? Depending upon the circumstances, if, if a woman has a has a horrible miscarriage or something along those lines and the and the fetus is still viable they'll save that baby and and I've seen uh, records of as early as 10 weeks that 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 baby being saved and and being being able to be viable exactly so that's that's the that was the kicker of Roe v Wade is as science and medicine progresses the age of viability or the limit of viability has reduced. Yeah. So at one point, 20 weeks was, you know, when a baby was considered viable because that was when it could survive outside the womb. As we progress in medicine, that number gets lower and lower and lower to the point where, you know, eventually babies are going to be made in test tubes. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it just comes back to that discussion of that we've never had a discussion. They had entire fields where children were no longer born, but grown. <laughs> Is this the children of the corn? The Matrix. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, you know, everything that we look at as uh, utopian and dystopian, dystopian, you know, ends up being kind of the way that things gravitate towards. We we seem to be living in some weird dystopian parallel universe. Like it, I think I'm just going to throw this out there. This is going to be weird to some people, but I really do believe. In my heart of heart, when they fired up CERN, they ripped a hole in the space-time continuum, <laughs> and we're in some alternate reality. Call me crazy. Call me Alex Jones. Whatever you want. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. You know what, Alex? Do you understand that? <laughs> I, so, I, I do mean, understand that. You can you can call me whatever you want, but when they fired up that Hadron Collider... <laughs> and, yeah. and had no idea what they were doing with these particles. I really do believe that they sent us into some weird alternate parallel universe because I never would have imagined we'd be where we are on either side of the coin. Well, it just goes to show that we're existing. What's happening, what I'm seeing, I, I actually pulled up some research from Pew Research. All right. Pew, 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 pew. pew. Uh, do you know what's in a pew? A rectory. Uh-huh. <laughs> right church, wrong pew. <laughs> yeah. I got to get a... Um, so Pew Research, they did a, uh, a study back in March of this year. So this is pretty recent, pretty dang recent, like three months ago. <laughs> recent. So anyways, uh, the, the main part of the research was how do Americans differ by party 
and age over ways to reduce the number of abortions in the U.S. I don't know how many people they actually talk to, but Pew's pretty solid. Yeah, the I mean, they're, they're pretty um, independent. Yeah, for the most part, you know, yeah. I mean, they most of the stuff that comes out of there is pretty statistic-based and whatnot. Yeah, Anyways. Yeah. Um, they're fair. So... so you know, the common the common thing that they looked at, the first thing was Republican men, Republican women, Democratic men, Democratic women. So about seven of the ten Republican men say passing stricter laws would reduce number of abortions. Fewer than half of Democratic women agree. So but here's the interesting thing of the people that they interviewed. So going down to Democratic women, which was of course the one group that disagree that didn't believe that laws would necessarily lower abortion still 45 percent of the ones that they interviewed felt that stricter laws would reduce the overall number of abortions in the country democratic men were still over the 50 percent mark at 56 percent uh republican women 63 percent and then republican men 71 percent which means that there's still a percentage even in the right side of things or right side of the spectrum of politics that believe that laws wouldn't reduce the number of abortions or whatever the case be. I found this interesting because certainly is depending on the demographic of people that they were interviewing. And again, I don't know any of that data, but that being said is that it shows us is that there's still this mentality that, you know, we're not opposed to reducing the number of abortions. That's what this tells me. It tells me that people are not opposed to reducing the number of abortions, but they don't believe, generally speaking, as you go from right to left, they believe less in the viability of a law to be able to exact that kind of an outcome. Yeah. So that being said, when you look at it, uh, the actual statistics, so going back to 1973 to present, so you see this this dip, this rise in dip. So 1990 was the peak of abortion season. Oh, wow. 1.6 million abortions happened in that in that year. Um, when Roe v. Wade was decided upon in 73, it was estimated, I think it was like 600,000 or so. We currently, in 2022, we currently are at the same level that we were in 73 almost. And, and mind you, another statistic, in 1973 when Roe was decided, 30 states had laws outright banning abortion yes no abortions whatsoever in 30 states yep and that and we were still at the level that we were at today so you you know that only one state allowed abortions generally yeah and that was new york yep new york was the only one there were three states that allowed it um Pretty much any time, and most, you know, do the do the subtraction. That would leave about, I don't know, ten states, thirteen states, something around in those numbers. Math is hard, but around in that, um, the other states banned abortion, with the exception of rape, incest, and threat to the mother. Gotcha. Which, you know, I really do believe that there should be some yeah exceptions and i actually i was going to bring that up um but i want to talk about this real quick because sure. this was an interesting sub part of this research that they did so they also they're one of the other questions that they asked as part of this is they asked two-thirds of americans what do they say um do, uh, okay so two-thirds of americans say more support for women during pregnancy would reduce the number of abortions 
So I don't, again, I don't know what percentage they're saying two thirds of Americans. I don't know what two thirds constitutes in ratios. Anyways, they're saying that more support for women during pregnancies, such as financial assistance or employment uh, protections, 65% of those interviewed said that would probably reduce the number of abortions. And then you go down the list, expanding sex education is 60%, more support for parents, such as paid family leave or more child care options, 58%, passing stricter laws against abortion, which is what we first talked about, 57% is the overall percentage where they sit at. And then 57% at the bottom of that number of questions, making it easier to place children up for or children for adoption into good homes. I think that's a big one. Exactly. But what what interested me, just not anything specific here, but just that people, despite their strong support. Sorry. Ding. Apparently we have an update. But um, despite all of this information all these questions that were asked and despite or in spite what am i supposed to say despite or in spite despite despite in spite in spite of the 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 sheer level of support for abortion rights there are still a predominance of people that are recognizing that there are means by which we can reduce abortions in the country which means that people would be open to these options if they are explored to generally reduce that. Now, here's here's where I'm going with this. We're ever so closely approaching a country that's on the brink of recession. Mm-hmm. We're slowly mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. slowly mm-hmm. entertaining. We're more and more entertaining administrations, especially the one currently, that in my estimations have little to no concept of economics. I'm sorry, but this country right now is being led by economists. I got to the Senate 180 years ago. So we always talk about economics 101. Well, they're economics kindergarten. They're they're not even at 101 as far as I'm concerned. So they need to step up their game a bit because we apparently as a as an administration, I say we because we're just as much guilty for allowing these people to do what they do. But, you know, they believe that they can just dish out money, dole out money to Ukraine, dole out money to everything under the sun that has nothing to do with the quality of life within the spectrum of the United States. I'm not against giving money to other people, but when you're when you're floating a $30 trillion deficit plus whatever it is now, when you're still talking about spending, where you're still talking about giving money to, you know, and then you're trying, you're sitting there and talking out of the other side of your ass cheek about people that can't afford to live. And I read a book a while back ago called Nickled and Dimed. And it basically talks about how the common person in the United States who doesn't have like a college level education is forced in some cases to work two to three jobs just to make ends meet. And it was just a review of how middle America, and I'm not talking about people that live in the center of the state, I'm talking about just people that live in middle income areas, low to high middle income areas, how these people are fighting to stay above water. So, you know, in my estimations, if they really want to solve, you know, bringing abortion down, then we need to start electing people that know how to run finances in this country, that know how to use that money towards some of these these programs like you know we would mention about adoption i think adoption is something that's been totally and wholly 
ignored and unexplored on so many levels. It's not to say that we don't have agencies that pursue it. It's not to say that there aren't companies that don't uh, make that their focus, but from a federal level, from an administrative standpoint, from a Congress level, from a, you know, from any level that we have legislatively, it seems like it's completely off the books. Like it's not even explored on any level. Like it gets no attention whatsoever. But yet two thirds, two thirds of American based off of research that was done as early as three months ago is saying that if we put time in, in, in effort into developing these resources, we would see an ever shift. Now, here's the interesting thing. Again, going back to the fact that we've dropped in 1973, we were at 600, however many thousand abortions, to now we're back almost to a, a flat line with where we are when we started. It tells me that there's a chip, there's a shift in culture. Yeah. Or maybe it's just too expensive to get them. I don't know. I don't I know. I wouldn't think that that would be, especially when you have uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood that'll, exactly. that'll do it for nearly nothing. And there's organizations like um, a lot of uh, a lot of Fortune 500 companies have come out and said that if you live in a state that doesn't allow abortions, that they would pay for your travel costs to go to a state that does. Exactly. Now, I will say, I think it was Missouri. Missouri's trying to pass a law that says if you go out of state yes. to get an abortion, that that's illegal. That I don't agree with. That's stepping over the boundaries. Now you're now you're violating somebody's freedom of travel. Yeah. You have a right to go to whatever state you want to go to for whatever reason you want to go to that state. Uh, we don't have borders, quote unquote, when it comes to states. If you're an American citizen, you can go from Pennsylvania to California, and you don't have to you don't have to give a reason why. Yeah. So. Any, any law like that, I'll gladly stand next to you and and fight tooth and nail uh, to make sure that that doesn't happen because I, I believe in a person's freedom yes, to do what they exactly. want. exactly. Um, but I also believe in the state's rights to choose whatever they want. So if you don't want to have abortions in Missouri, that's great. Don't have abortions in Missouri. But if somebody wants to travel to California to have one, that's their prerogative. Coincidentally, Missouri was the first trigger state. Oh, it makes sense. So they, it was within, I think they said within six hours of Roe oh, yeah. v. Wade's decision, the, the governor sent a letter to Senate, you know, enacting or putting into yep. place or enforcing the law. Because it's been sitting there for yeah. decades. Um, so I guess, you know, I hate to, I hate to even have to talk about this kind of stuff because it's such a... It's such a polarizing topic when it when it when it comes to abortion. It's so polarizing because I agree with somebody's bodily autonomy, and I do believe yes. that if there's exigent circumstances, that you should be allowed to seek medical treatment for those exigent circumstances, i.e., rape, incest. I would even say if you're under 18, there'd be certain uh, provisions, you know, that make exceptions for under 18 and and things like that because bodily autonomy is very important to me. Oh yeah, and being able to to dictate what happens to your own body and what happens to your own health is very important. Um, and I hope that everyone out there is, that, that was arguing vaccine mandates 
where a good thing is listening because we're now on the other side of the coin. Exactly. You know, and I disagree that somebody should be able to put a needle in my arm against my will. Yeah. The same the same thing would go is if I don't want to if I don't want to have a child as a as a woman uh, which I am not, so I can't. I can't understand that that decision. But I could at least grapple with the fact that I do have children, and I, I don't want any more children. But I, uh, <laughs> but I have one. Um, but I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is, is I, I don't want to take that choice away from anybody. Exactly. But I don't believe that Roe was the right decision. And that's what it, I think that's the discussion that's not being happened. And it's not going to happen for a while until things need to the, yell, the yelling voices stop. Well, one, I can understand though, because these, these think about it this way. And I, and I always try to tell anybody that's anti-abortion, you know, think about, think about it. This, think of how you feel when people try to pass gun laws. Yeah. You feel like your yeah. right your rights are being stripped away and you're being told what to do and how to do it and that's not right. Put, if you put yourself in the shoes of these women, they feel the same way. Exactly. They feel like a right to choose their own path is being ripped out from beneath them. And I can totally get on board with that. Um what I I guess my my issue with abortion is that at a certain point, that child who cannot protect itself has a right, has has rights as well. Yeah. And and what we need to do is we need to have a, the debate. And like you said, it's going to take a while because these people are upset because for the same reason that Second Amendment people are upset when they ban bump stocks or they ban uh, try try to ban assault rifles. It isn't real. <laughs> it doesn't exist. I know. I know. It's all, assault rifles don't exist. Anyway, um, when they when they try to do that stuff, we get pissed off about it, and yeah. and and rightfully so. I believe that the less that the government sticks its nose into, the better off we will all be, including gun rights, including abortion. The less the government has involvement in and that includes state governments too the less that they're involved in the better it is for all of us um so at some point what we need to do after everybody calms down they have a right to be angry they have a right to protest as long as it doesn't get violent and doesn't get all you know you're not burning stuff down ruth sent us and jane's revenge and all that stuff they need to calm the fuck down because they're terrorist organizations at this point yeah and and violence is not okay January 6th was not okay. I don't I don't agree with what happened on that day either even though my politics align with the people that were there. I don't I don't agree with that. Uh, that's not how we do things in America. So a point I'm getting at is where we need to get to is Congress and the legislatures of the states need to sit down and have a honest an honest apolitical debate on abortion and come up with in my opinion we need a 34th amendment yeah for abortion yeah because there needs to be there needs to be at least a a a groundwork for what what can be 
what can be banned and what can't be banned. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to come together as a collective and make those decisions as a legislature, as a as a state legislature, and come to a consensus where we can all agree, okay, um, I'm going to have to give up some ground. You're going to have to give up some ground. Let's let's kind of come to a place where we all can agree that we've, you know, we've come to a place where we all can agree, I guess is the best way. So if, if it's 15 weeks, if it's 20 weeks, I don't agree with the six weeks. A lot of times you don't even know you're pregnant by six weeks. You, you know, sometimes it can take a little while. I didn't. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm still haven't gotten the test back <laughs> for Aaron. So I guess the the proper thing that I needs was talking to happen, about me personally. I was. <laughs> I didn't get my test. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> the um. The the point is is the debate needs to be had, and we need to we need to make laws the proper way. The Supreme Court was never the way that this was supposed to be decided. Congress needs to get off their hands and actually do something. They've delegated so many powers over over the course of this this country's history that Congress really doesn't do anything anymore. No. And that's I mean the the ideal the ideal notion is that we have two spectrums of thought or more, hopefully more than just two spectrums of thought that exist. I mean, they do, but they don't get the talking time in most cases or the podium time, so to speak. But you know, the, the hope would be is that there's a balance there to where, you know, both are working towards an end goal. But my, my, my concern is bigger than just simply Congress with regards to getting them to a place to where they can work on this because the people in Congress are as influenced as they are influential. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about that. You know, you look at the people that are in Congress and sometimes you wonder how they're capable of doing what they're doing, given the, some of the crap that comes out of their mouth sometimes, you know, and I'm not just talking about one particular side of the aisle either. Uh, it just, it astounds me sometimes that some of the people that get elected to office in the hopes that they're going to push things forward somehow. I, I think that, and here's where I go back to. There was an article recently. I'm not going to say the news agency, but they posted about how their how other agencies are reporting violence against abortion clinics. Well, one thing that wasn't being reported is the abortion against, or yeah, the abortion, the violence against pro life institutions that was happening, and they were showing yeah. pictures and images of, you know, there was this one image where it stated it's like. If abortion isn't safe, then neither are neither you. Neither are you. That's Jane's revenge. That's their motto. So, I mean, you've got – not only do you have agencies like that, which are terroristic. I'm sorry, but they should – Absolutely. Those people, as soon as they find out who they are, no different than Antifa as no, far as I'm no concerned. No different than January 6th. They should be spending some time in cell block C for a while or, or whatever the case be. But that being said um, – what we have is we not only have agencies that are that are committing violence and also affecting the narrative in such a way as that it's heating up even the middle of this argument to a point to where they're becoming more fringe. So the middle is being pushed yes. more to the fringes, whether right or left of the argument. 
but you also have media, which is supposed to be journalistically responsible to some degree with some kind of a moral platitude that they're achieving or going after to where they're going to... Dave, that's why we started the podcast. Exactly. That's why we did. And that's why many have started different venues of communication to discuss this. But the point is, is that you have the media, which is basically just talking about one group committing violence against the other group that they support, but never talking about the vice versa of that. Yes. My concern is, is Fox News ever going to report if there's violence against an abortion clinic? Or are they only ever going to report if there's violence against a pro-life organization? Vice yeah. versa. Is yep. CNN only ever going to report if there's violence against a, an abortion clinic? Well, they're mostly peaceful. Yeah. You know, like the riots were that everybody seems to not believe. Firebombing uh, a pro-life center is mostly peaceful. Oh, yeah. It's mostly peaceful. You know? But you get but it does go both ways. Yes. It does go both ways because... Any violence against an abortion clinic is also, it's wrong. Violence is violence. Violence, It's what it comes down to. Now, if you're defending yourself, that's a different type of violence. That's different. That's that's a necessary evil. That's That's not just... Martin Luther King was right in that the the proper way to address these things is through peaceful, peaceful protests and discussion, not, not violent reaction. And he lived his life by that and was murdered. <laughs> yeah. But but he was right. He was absolutely right. And his his one thing that he he said that always stuck with me is that um I'm I'm paraphrasing here. I know I'm going to butcher it, but he says if you if you live your life by the by the means of good and evil, then you don't have to you don't have to show people the right way they'll see it on their own yeah and what he meant by that was is if you remain peaceful and you remain calm and you show the wrongness of something that people will be more inclined to look at it and understand what's going on because you're peaceful Rather than if you hold a gun to somebody's head and tell them that they have to think this certain way, they're not gonna they're not gonna accept that as 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 easily. People can differentiate the the difference between right and wrong pretty easily when they see it. Yeah. Hopefully. So if you stay peaceful and you show them peacefully right and wrong, you can let you can let the facts speak for themselves. I believe abortion. At its, you know, if, if you just talk about the word abortion, I believe it's wrong at its core because life is sacred. And I, even as a hunter, I, I thank every, I've said this before, I thank every animal. I, I feel bad every time I, I every yeah. time I take the life of an animal because life is sacred. And I feel that children need to be protected in that way. On the other side of the coin... I keep saying this. I do believe there's exceptions to that rule. The same same way that life is sacred has its exceptions. If somebody's trying to kill me, my life is sacred as well. So if somebody's trying to kill me, I would rather it be their life than, that be taken than mine. So therefore, the exception to life is sacred is if you're trying to kill somebody else, 
then your life no longer has as much value because you're trying to steal away life from somebody else. So carving out exceptions, I guess, is is my point. Well, there there are some with with regards. We know the two biggest hot button topics in the U.S. are always. It seems like they're always going to be abortion and the Second Amendment or yep. the right to Gun, bear arms. I mean, those and, two things are just. Abortions. They seem like they live on the same plat or the same platform. Basically, they're never going to agree with each other, but they have the same level of heat when it comes oh, yeah. to argument. Passion, yes, on both on both. You know, the right has a has a has an extreme passion for gun rights. And the left has an extreme passion for abortion rights. Um, and that's where I've said it before. I said it on two podcasts ago or something like that. I think that's where we need to come together is we need to look at it empathetically and say, I see how you feel because I feel as passionately about my right as we'll just say my rights. I feel just as passionately about my rights as you feel about your rights. Yeah. And we should both be striving to protect each other's rights. Yeah. And that's the way that we come together on this, I, I believe. But the what what I see, though, is that with those two um, major th- contention points, Second Amendment, abortion, there are underlying morals, like lines, I guess you can say, that get stretched like a rubber band. And they can only stretch so far before they snap. Yep. And I think what happens sometimes is, Sometimes the right tries to pull too hard on the Second Amendment, and eventually it will snap yeah. on them. The same thing goes for abortion, is that the left will try to pull too hard on their rights, or supposed, the word being ag- or arrogated, they assume that abortion, just everything that they could imagine that abortion applies to, you know, it's that assumption piece. Yeah. Just like sometimes, you know, you could have... And this is an extreme, but again, that guy that was arrested in Washington that was sniping people out of the back of oh, his the truck, DC sniper. the DC sniper, in his mind, for some reason, it was okay for him to employ his Second Amendment right in a fashion that was completely antithetical to what the Second Amendment was even established for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So you can take an ideology at its core and stretch it so far that it becomes antithetical to what it should be. Well, I think even even Second Amendment advocates don't really understand the the meaning behind the Second Amendment. Um, yes, the Founding Fathers did agree that every citizen had the right to own a firearm, but it was for defense. Yeah. Uh, the government, if... If now we often use, you know, the the Declaration of Independence says right in there when a when a um, when a people I'm paraphrasing again because I don't have it in front of me, but when a people when a government becomes tyrannical, the people have a right to alter or abolish it. When they say that, they 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 did believe that revolution was the a right of a governed people when things get so bad. However, if they if they really truly believed holistically in a citizen that holds its government accountable at the barrel of a gun, then they wouldn't have created laws against sedition. Yes, which which happened very early on. It was all it, it was John Adams who who passed the Sedition Act. Yeah, and that he was the second president. 
So in it was within 10 years of the country being founded that they are they already made sedition illegal. So I guess the overall re, overreaching point is is yes we believe that we have the right to defend ourselves against a tyrannical government, but that's the right to defend yourself. You yeah. don't have the right to take your guns out offensively. Yeah. And and just start you don't have the right to take your gun to the Capitol building and 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 try to force uh, exactly. changes in legislation at the barrel of a gun. That's not what the Second Amendment is about. The Second Amendment is about, okay, if you're going to come for me and my family, uh, you're not going to have a good day. And that's why the powers of Congress were limited too. That's why yes. the power of the, the president was limited Absolutely. with regards to declaring war because it was not ever to be used in a fashion that was to be seen as empirical yes. or you know, building empire. And that's what always used to drive me nuts with we heard more of it, I would say, during the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Like, during around that period of time, you heard the, the empire language that was going on. You know, especially... Dum, 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 yeah. But, I mean, like, during <laughs> during the end of... Um, it kind of started with Reagan. Like, when we got involved with the Iran-Contra Iran issue. Contra. And then it kind of spiraled into the 90s when Bush was in charge and Kuwait. Oh. And, you know... Thank goodness it was only a seven-day event. But the point was is then when it boiled down to George Bush Jr., you know, we started really questioning. It's like, what are they doing with their power to be able to declare war? Yep. Because, you know, how long did he spend trying to identify weapons of mass destruction in the Middle East and yep. came up like almost completely bone dry they on just, that? You know, for lack of a better term, they just flat out lied. Yeah. They lied to justify. Here's what it was, um, just to throw it out there. Uh, w um, was finishing his dad's job. Yeah, exactly. His, his dad wanted Hussein gone and couldn't get it done because he didn't get a second term. If he would have gotten a second term, they would have went after Saddam. He didn't get a second term. So Bush used 9-11 as an excuse to go after Saddam in Iraq, even though there it's been proven there were no weapons of mass destruction and there were very vague, very vague, loose ties to Osama bin Laden and the terrorists that took out or uh, did the 9-11 attacks. So he was just, it, all it was was him him doing his daddy's dirty work is what that was. And I don't agree with it. So they used a facade. Basically they used camouflage to yes. uh, make it a little bit more palatable with them entering a country on those terms. Now, how they just been upfront and honest and said, listen, we think Saddam Hussein by himself is a threat to us interest and safety and security and just presented it that way. We might've had, less of the conspiracy and more of just, you know, there would have probably been yeah. disagreements. There would have been, and, and we would have been looked at the way Russia is being looked at right now. Exactly. Because we would have no, we would have had no justifiable reason yes. to go into Iraq other than this guy's a really bad dude and we yeah. don't like him, you know, and that that's just not a justification for war anymore. No. After after the UN was formed and and the Geneva Convention and all that stuff, that's just not acceptable anymore. You can't just go in and take over a country no. because they're bad dudes. Well, the thing you know? of it is is we're at a point in in world history 
and not to get too far off topic here. I think but, it all I think it all ties in. But we're at a point in world history where lines have been pretty steadily drawn. There's no undiscovered territory nope. in the world. It's not like there's a piece of land that hasn't been claimed or explored or seen by somebody in the you know in the scope of national and world powers. So that being said, to to have a reason to invade, you have to have some pretty damning evidence that states that this country is on the verge of blowing up your country. Yep, which or, is exactly what they did. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they fabricated evidence in order to justify an illegal war. I would not go as far as to say that W was a war criminal. No. I wouldn't go that far, but he certainly was not in the right. He ran He ran with the, the collective thought that was started with his dad. Yep. Basically, to your point, yeah. but... We're, one of the things I wanted to bring up, and it kind of touches base with what we were just talking about, is uh, one of the uh, foreign policy magazine, one of the things that they brought up is uh, the Rose abolition makes the U.S. a global outlier. And one of the things that they pointed out is that the United States liberalized abortion laws and the world followed suit. I don't know that that's necessarily true, but today it joins Iran, North Korea, Russia in rolling back reproductive rights. So do you see the yeah this that's just the headline of the article there's more to it than that but that being said yeah the US liberalized but I don't think they people necessarily followed suit most no. of the European Union was already way ahead of us yes, with regards to moving in that direction so I don't think that takes a lot into account um and then then they go to the far extreme and try to compare us with Iran North Korea and Russia uh, no, no, not, not, not even, even close. close. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a country that... We're, we're not even in the same city, let alone no. the same ballpark. Yeah, you know? I mean, that that is a complete puff piece as far sure. as I'm concerned. Sure. Now, one thing that I will say is there are some... Justice Thomas... Uh, here's another thing I want to address. We've already addressed abortion. We've talked about that before. We've talked about it today pretty much ad nauseum unless there's too much more you want to say about it. We, we've made our we made our thoughts clear. Um, just to clarify, we don't agree with abortion. We believe that there should though be exceptions and uh, allocations made to allow for yeah. abortions in certain situations. We believe in a person's right to bodily autonomy, and we believe the government should keep their nose out of shit. Yeah, and also, our, just to add addendum to that, is I, I don't believe that some of the immediate actions by the states is necessary, is right. Yeah, exactly, not, not especially this, Missouri. I mean, there, there are some states that are carving out basically that those exception laws within the, the the scope of what they are going to allow within, you know, because how many states was it? 22, you said? Had had uh, trigger laws? Well, there's 22 states that are immediately moving forward with looking at banning okay. abortion. There were 13 states 13 with trigger initially, laws. yeah. yeah. And, and so I guess there's 22 then that are It might be more that. than that. I think it might be up as far as 26. I'm now, not sure, but... That being said... Um, what this decision does do is it opens up a lot of other precedents that are going to be able to be rolled back as well. Yeah. And Clarence Thomas hinted at this in his yeah. in his I was actually um, going to bring that up in but, his yeah. concurrence that we're now going to look into whether they're the was it 2010 
the 2010 um, uh, decision on gay marriage and the longstanding precedent on contraceptives and things like that, they're all going to be able to be rolled back. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know that that's true. Um, hopefully, I I hope one of the one of the things that they look into is the Patriot Act. Yeah. As to whether or not yeah. that's constitutional, yeah. I would love nothing more than the Supreme Court to come out and say, "Hey, um, the Patriot Act kind of violates the Fourth, Fifth, First, Second, <laughs> yeah, Fourteenth, Eighteenth, uh, Tenth, all the amendments. Let's just say it violates all the amendments. Um, so I want them to look at that now." I specifically on on the the um, the contraceptives and the gay marriage. I do believe that those things should be rolled back, but not because I agree with banning gay marriage or banning contraceptives. But I believe it's not the job of the court to make those decisions. Yeah, um, I will wholeheartedly stand against any state that tries to ban contraceptives or ban gay marriage. Yeah, I. I I believe that anyone it's the pursuit of happiness that yeah. it's right in the declaration of independence. I may not agree with, with uh, you know, with gay marriage or, or, or homosexuality on a, on a religious standpoint, but I, I don't, I don't dislike anybody because of it. And I don't, I don't discriminate against anybody because of it. Uh, Cause I also believe that my religion uh, teaches me to mind my own business and and uh, I'm not supposed to be the judge of other people. Yeah. Well, I think, too, I mean, one of the things, again, it just goes back to how we started this conversation is how the fringes can't be the the modicum or the medium by which we pull our legislative standards from. You know, they can't be. We can't pull legislative standards from the right and we can't pull legislative standards from the left. It has to be a balance point. There has to be... Yep. Um, there has to be a center point. There has to be a focal point. There has to be some place where we come to meet at that we say this can be a justifiable law that applies to all equally and it doesn't restrict anybody um, in any kind of biased way. And that's what the law is supposed to is supposed to be. Every law that's written is supposed to be written with the intent of not being biased toward towards anyone. Really yeah, is what it comes absolutely. down to. And again, you know, you know, some people might disagree with me on this, but, you know, I people on the religious side, on the Christian side of things will say that, you know, this is a Christian country. Well, they might have had morals, but in the grand scheme of things, the laws were not written respective of any religion. The laws were not written, you know, the, the laws of this, the United States are not the, the Bible. No. I mean, I, you know... I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. I'm just saying that because you can't live in this country with other people if suddenly, you know, Sharia law becomes the standard. You know, no more that, you know, the Bible becomes the standard for laws in the United States. Would some look at that as, you know, an affront to Christianity? I'm sure somebody would look at that as an affront to Christianity. I'm a Christian myself, but I recognize that in the state you cannot, in the, in, in the United States, you cannot legislate morality. No. The, the moment that we try to legislate morality is the moment we go down a slippery slope. And, you know, 
here's the point is that the left has their own morality the right has their own morality and neither, never the two shall ever meet and in order for the two to meet to be able to conduct business and trade and to live in the same country the same neighborhoods we have to have laws that are equally respective of each other's ideology to a point yeah because the left can't go to their nth degree and the right can't go to their nth degree because if we allow them to then we have anarchy and chaos in the united states Quite literally, because we know as well as anybody is that there's there's wackos on either side of the aisle. There's complete wackos on every side of the aisle. Um, but in order for this country to move forward, there has to be a center. But more than that, um, you know, with regards, you know, you were saying about how it's come to light with regards of, you know, whether there's going to be precedents that are going to be looked at in light of the fact that Roe v. Wade has been now overturned. Um, I think, yeah, to your point, I think we need to look at the precedents that have established governmental oversight. I think that's step one. I think in my estimations, that's step one. If you want, if you want to really get to the root of the problem of where this country is going is that you need to get us back to where we were when 1776 rolled around. That's where you need to get us to. And I'm not talking pre-13th Amendment. I'm not talking... Yeah. I'm talking that getting us back to the what the original intent of what we the people and all men are created equal really was supposed to mean. Because whether or not the founding fathers interpreted that as slaves being, you know, equitable individuals or equal yeah. individuals doesn't matter. They were wrong on all accounts with regards to how they interpreted that. How we interpret it today is that all men created equal means all men and women are created equal. Yeah, and that's another thing is men when they say men they're 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 using a, a euphemism for mankind. They're they're saying they, they should have said humans. Yeah. But they didn't It was a they, general understood They didn't term. talk that way yeah. back then. So they they didn't think that they had to clarify because when they say all men are created equal, maybe they didn't mean women, maybe they did. Um but in in my interpretation of the Constitution, when they say all men are created equal, they're they're saying that all mankind uh, is created equal. Yeah. Not 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 men as in anyone with a with a Y chromosome exactly. is created equal. They're saying that men as in the collective, the capital M men means everybody. I mean, if you want to update the language in the Declaration or the Constitution to state that all humankind is created equal. Or clarify it, at least. Or clarify it. Yeah. That wouldn't make any hill of difference because it's what it already means. Exactly. I mean, it, it was never intended to... Now, granted, we had to go through the process of establishing women's women's suffrage. Yep. Which, you know, was what, 1923? Because or in the Constitution, they interpreted it. It says able-bodied men, you, you know... Of the age of 21, which originally was the voting age in the United States, it wasn't. It, yeah. it took a constitutional amendment to lower it to 18. Um, but because at one point they interpreted it as, because it says in the Constitution, uh, uh, qualifications for voting is men over the age of 21. So they interpreted that as men. Whereas if you go by our interpretation of all men are created equal, meaning humankind, yeah. it was already in there. Yeah. You know, so yeah. they had to clarify. So maybe we need an amendment to clarify that all humans are created yeah. equal. Well, you but, know, yeah. 
Go I'm no, sorry. no, you're fine. Cultural. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is cultural values and political opinions will obfuscate how a person interprets Absolutely. anything. So, and that's what it boils down to is that there were cultural values that were prevalent in that time and frame of of thinking that were so prevalent that they caused the common mass majority of people to believe that this is what this meant. And that's why it was taken to the nth degree when exactly. in reality they were cultural values that had no basis. Yeah. They had no basis when it comes down to it. The whole women's suffrage thing should have never had to happen. Yeah. The whole ab- abolition of slavery should have, should never, have never had, had, to, had happen. to happen. None of that stuff, even though it is there and explicitly stated, it should have never had to happen. But it's like we talked about, I think it was last week, laws are not put in place in light of what things are right now. They're yes. put in place in light of what things could become yeah. or what could happen. So if in your thinking, in the stretch of your thinking, however far that goes from left to right, from east to west, from north to south, however far your thinking goes, if you can anticipate that at some point the government could use such and such whatever law or whatever precedent to negatively impact its its citizens, then you put in you put the effort and time into constructing verbatim that explicitly denies because we talked about that too that the United States Constitution is uniquely different in that it denies what the government can do as opposed to what it provides to its people. Yes, uh, most most uh, to repeat it, most other constitutions. I think ours is the only negative constitution. Yeah. in the world, and thankfully so. Thankfully so. But other constitutions essentially outline what the government is supposed to provide to its citizens. Our constitution is unique is in the, in which it says what the government cannot do to its citizens or deprive its citizens of. Um, a perfect example is the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law. Um, one of the common misconceptions is the separation of church and state, but all that really means is Congress doesn't make its own religion yeah. or something along those because lines or deny the practice or, or, or force the practice of religion. Because that's what the monarchy did. Yes. The monarchy made the Church of England the yep. Church of England. Yep. So that meant that all other religions were bullshit. Yes. And the only one that was viable was the Church of England. And that was Martin Martin Luther's like, fuck you. That could have been (laughs) translated so many ways. If you think about it, it's like if you're, uh, let's say you weren't part of the Church in England at that time and you were trying to run for some kind of office or whatever the case be, they could probably just arbitrarily kick you out of the runnings because you're not a part of the Church of England. Absolutely. So that was the whole point of it is that there ought to be nothing that biases the opinion of the government with regards to a person's status or access or equal standing to or you know any of that stuff yep. there should be nothing that biases their actions or their you know your standing with regards to the government the beauty of the first amendment is that it not only protects your right to worship but it protects your right not to if you don't want to practice exactly. religion, yes, yes, you are absolutely free not to. Exactly, you you yeah. have every right to be an atheist. You have every right to be a theist. That's right. There's, it's it. It just means that the government cannot establish a religion. It doesn't mean that religion has to be wiped from the surface of the country. It just means that Congress can't prefer one religion over another. It can't. Um, it can't promote 
one religion over another, but that doesn't mean that you can't have uh, you can't have senators that are Catholic, uh, or you can't have senators that are Muslim, or you can't have senators that believe in the flying spaghetti monster. Exactly. You know what I yeah. mean? That you you have the right to believe whatever you want to believe and practice those those beliefs, however you see fit within reason. Um, you, you know, we 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 have. Um, come down in this country on religions that, you know, believe in teenage marriage and, and, you know, a 12 year old can marry yeah. a 40 year old and that's bullshit. We don't, we don't do that here. Cause then um, it becomes predatory. Exactly. And things Cause that... now you're, now you're stripping the, the, the rights of those kids away. And, and that brings us back to our original conversation of where, where do those rights begin? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the discussion that needs to be had. I think of a uh, devil's advocate, that movie with uh, yeah, Rob... Keanu Reeves and, uh, and, uh, Al, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Do you remember the first case? Hoo-wah. Hoo-wah. Hey man. Um, do you remember the first case that, uh, Keanu oversees, uh, in the movie? I don't. He represents a voodoo witch doctor guy that lives in Brooklyn somewhere and he sacrifices, he does animal sacrifices okay. in his basement and everything. Sure. So basically the New York city or health department, health department, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to remember now basically the health has a case against him and basically is trying to ban his ability from being able to do this because of the health department. But they basically fight it on the grounds that he has a religious right to yep. exercise his faith how he sees fit and Absolutely. that's how how they defend it what why that's why that is so poignant of a point in regards to what we're talking about is that if we don't have guardrails that are f- put far enough out we don't have enough space to really talk about stuff yeah i think in the context of the you know the you know cuz you're going to have atheists and theists they're going to talk to each other. But if you re- if you ban atheism, what kind of conversation yeah. is there ever going to be? Well, it's like... You it's, know what I mean? It's like what Jordan Peterson always says. You know, freedom of speech... Without without freedom of speech, you, you, you can't even have thought. Yeah. You can't even have... You can't even have a... A um, an educated discussion because without the freedom to say things that can be considered offensive... Then you don't have you don't even have the ability to talk things out. Exactly. Because if you're if you're constantly worried about offending people, then you then how are we ever going to tackle these hard issues? You're, you're exactly you're not because these 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 issues are very difficult to talk about. So people are going to get offended. Whether it's me, I get offended when people say that gun gun rights are 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 baloney are baloney whatever, and yeah. st- that offends me. But we have to have that discussion. I'm willing to make some concessions. Yeah. You, you know, this, uh, the gun control bill that just passed, that's another thing that we haven't talked about. Um, the red flags. The, yeah. The, the, the red, I, I hate red flag laws. Um, luckily, we live in a state that doesn't have them yet. We, Pennsylvania has no red flag laws. I don't, I hope they never do. Um, but everything else in that bill, I, I really didn't think was, was all that, um, all that offensive. Uh, they're they're uh, higher scrutiny. I think one of the things was more more scrutiny on background checks when you're under 21. Yep. I I okay. Okay. Um, and providing funds for uh, mental health 
facilities and and mental health programs great you know i'm i'm all for that and what i don't like is when you have no due process and red That's flag red laws flags do, yeah. yeah red flag laws violate your fourth fifth and 14th amendment rights because the what happens is is they end up you, you go to a judge and somebody says oh this guy's dangerous according to me uh, and he needs to have his guns taken away. So then they come in, they take away your guns, and then you go to court and try to fight for your guns back. That's not the way that it's supposed to work. No. In this country, you have a right to face your accuser. So if somebody says this guy is too dangerous to own guns, you need to be able to stand in front of them in the courtroom and argue to the judge that they're full of shit yeah. and that I'm, I'm perfectly capable. And one thing that is good about it is when they do decide the red flag laws, whether or not to take somebody's guns away, they they consider multiple things, not just what the other person said, but they look at your criminal background, they look at your um, things all the way all the way down to how how long ago the gun was purchased and things like that. So there are some provisions in there. I think though that what needs to happen is that if, if if we do anything, if there's a red flag law that's that's enacted, then what needs to happen is that person needs to be taken in front of a judge. And then the judge needs to interview that person, and and the yeah. judge can then decide after, after the due process has happened, whether or not that person should be able to retain their their firearms. If we go to that standard for a red flag law, I really don't think I would have a problem with it. And I think that's because that's no different than how we how we combat any other crime. Well, it's it's good that you bring that up because red flag laws are something that's new. Yeah, I mean, very new, but they're not. It seems to me like just from a superficial look at them is that they're not being defined and articulated as clearly as they should be. And that's my problem with them. But there again, that goes back to why Roe v. Wade was thrown out, is that it wasn't specifically articulated. It wasn't established. It didn't take into consideration the other half of the argument in a lot of ways. Uh, Whether or not it was a Republican-led Supreme Court doesn't matter. They were wrong on it. Yeah. You know, they were just wrong on how it was written. They were We do believe that conservatives can be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, believe as it or not. Every 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 bit as much as, as liberals can be wrong. Humans are fallible. Highly fallible. And it doesn't matter what, what side of the political spectrum you fall on, you you are equally capable of being wrong and being a dumbass just yeah. because just because you have uh, an R in front of your name or a D in front of your name or an L or an I or whatever party affiliation you have, you can still be dumb. And just because you have a PhD in front of, in the back yeah, of your name or exactly. you have a Juris Doctorate or, you know, just whatever. Just because you have a doctorate in French lesbian poetry <laughs> doesn't mean... Where do they <laughs> offer that? I've been, look, I've been looking for some. But I've seen, I've seen those. But what my point is, is that everyone's fallible and these laws need to be looked at from that point of view. So as long as there's due process in a law, I don't have a problem with it. Now, speaking on the the contraceptive bans and the bans on gay marriage and all that stuff, if that ever comes up, I'm going to fight against it just like everyone else. Uh, But I don't believe that it was the courts. I don't believe the the Supreme Court overstepped its bounds as framed in the Constitution when they decided 
not only the uh, the gay marriage decision, but the marital contraception and all that stuff. Again, going back to the Tenth Amendment, if it's not specifically in the Constitution, then it's to the states and to the people. So if it's not explicitly listed in the con uh, in the Constitution, then either Congress needs to make a law regarding such things, or the states need to make a law regarding such things. It's not up to the court to say, oh, well, we kind of think that's what they meant. And that's exactly what happens is that they leave the arguments out there. They, they, they allow the last prevailing opinion to become, because that's the, that was one of the things that came up in the discussion is stare decisis, which is basically the idea that courts will adhere to a higher court's precedent, precedential standings. So under you know, say for instance, the, um, trying to think of a lower court and a higher court. So say like the state supreme court of Pennsylvania versus the what's our federal district fifth? Yeah, I think so. We're so, in the fifth. Are we the fifth? I think. So the, you know, you know what I mean though. Federal would would federal take precedence over state supreme court? Yes, I believe it would. Um, in you know, with regards, you know, depending on what the topic is. That's yeah. Uh, I I get what you're saying. There's a there's a there's a topic of debate on that though. Whether whether because the state supreme court should be the final say in that state. Yes. But if there's a federal law that supersedes state law, exactly. Then the federal courts oversee that. Like like the voting rights in PA when 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 the the attorney general made changes to the elections right before. Uh, right before the 2020 election, they it went all the way to the state Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court decided that, that the attorney general was able to make those decisions, even though explicitly in the PA state constitution it said that they were not. That essentially set a precedent on the state level. Yeah. They, the, the, once, once the Pennsylvania Supreme Court made that decision, they tried to go up to the actual federal Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said, we can't do that. We can't overrule a state Supreme Court on a state issue. Yeah. Now, if it was a federal issue, yeah. so now if they federalize elections, which I don't want them to do, but if they were to federalize elections, then there would be a standing where you could take that decision to the Supreme Court. But until it's a federal issue, the Supreme Court of the United States has no bearing on it. It stays within the state the state. Um, Supreme Court. And that's a tug of war. I mean, with regards to, you know, if you're voting for a federal position versus a state position, you know, because should the states have the power with regards to voting in federal or should the federal have its own laws with regards to when you're voting for a federal individual? You know what I mean? But the whole idea of stare decisis is that it's always been an accepted norm yes. that the lower court will accept or will abide by the precedent that was established by the higher court. Exactly. So what, you know, one of their arguments was is that the Supreme Court wasn't adhering to stare decisis, being that they weren't adhering to a pre-private precedent established by an equal Supreme Court. In their court, own court, yeah. Essentially, and that's what they were trying to get at. But, you know, the whole thing of it is is that, yeah, I get that to some degree, but... If there's factual, if there's enough factual substance there that states that 
you know, again, going back to Casey, that the, they said basically Casey was just an assumption, you know, of all yeah. the, the assumed rights and everything. And it's not, again, it's not an affront against the rights themselves. It's an affront against the case law that was written. And that's what people don't understand is that if the law had been written better and more artic, you know, better articulated and more refined in terms of what it states, we wouldn't be in this situation. We would have a very clearly defined law that says blah 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 this is when you know life begins this is when abortion is allowed this is when it's not and it would be in a constant it would be in the constitution as an established amendment um but something to what you were saying with regards to uh thomas um as far as like just going into this this theoretical um or you know right now it's theoretical but whether or not they're going to pursue going after other cases it would law. make sense but it, it again it brings up it, the same argument it brings up again the same argument it's not a question of you know do i believe a person should be able to marry somebody of the same sex or not it has nothing to do with that it has more to do with was the case law written clear enough to where it establishes what the 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 boundaries are of that right and what are not the boundaries you know in other words what's not allowed within the scope of that law it's the same and going back i think again we should go back to like you said with the patriot act and other subsequent acts and laws that have been built upon the patriot act since you know 2000 that have in essence set up the government the federal government in such a capacity that they can just turn around and do whatever the hell they want well we gave we gave we gave the government essentially we gave them the permission to enact the patriot act because we thought and this is why this is just a preface this is why laws should never be should never be voted on in emotional times because the reason the patriot act was enacted was right after september 11th yeah. yeah and we were as a country we were in a state of fear and we didn't know where the next attack was coming from. We wanted to get to the bottom of this. We wanted to make sure that this wasn't going to happen again. So immediately we're like, yes, go ahead, do it. Um, you know, and the government promised with their fingers crossed behind their back that they wouldn't abuse it. And now we're seeing with Carter Page and, and other subsequent people that it is indeed being abused. And yeah, they yeah. are indeed going after American citizens using the Patriot Act. And there was even calls for the Patriot Act to be used against Trump supporters simply for supporting Trump because he because he allegedly um, supported an insurrection. Um, that's debatable. I, I don't I don't think he did, but I also have said in the past that I don't think it was right for him to send that mob of people up to the Capitol, even if the, even if his intention was for them to peace of, peaceably protest. When emotions are that high. Uh, it's never a good idea to send an angry mob anywhere. Yeah. Um, and emotions were very high. That should have never. That should have never happened. It should have been the end of the speech. Speech done. Uh, done and over with. Now, it could be debated uh, whether he's responsible for that or not. But I. I really don't think that was his intention. If evidence comes out otherwise, I'm. I'm more than willing to look at it. Um, but my point is, is that you should never make. You should never make these decisions in an, in an, in a time of heightened emotion because emotion should never be should never be part of the lawmaking process. Yeah. It should always be objective. Yeah. It should always be not emotion less, but it should always be. Um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? It just always, well thought yeah, out. Yeah, it should it should just be logical and and uh, and judicial. I guess is the is the best way to put it. Because I mean, in essence, if the January six committee was driven by a certain agenda, oh God, not no. that not that they are no. Um, if they were driven, quote unquote, by an agenda, they could es- in essence take the laws that are there already, and you've already stated it, and just go to the nth degree and start utilizing precedent that's been established to say that, well, if you're a Trump supporter or if you voted for him, we're going to go back through the books and look at who voted for him, and we're going to yep. assume that that person you know, has some kind of ill intent, and then we're going to, you know blow past their due process rights and all that kind of stuff because they're terrorists. You, yep. know, you know what I mean? It's- Which is already happening with some of the people that are being detained. Um, there are folks that have been in solitary confinement since they were arrested with no charges. Yeah, and that's wrong. And and that violates, uh, I'll have to look it up, but that violates um, a litany, a of, litany of, of, of things. Um, most notably, if I look it up, I have my pocket constitution right here. Um, let's see, where is it? Amendment on trial and punishment, right to a speedy trial. Amendment number six, we're coming up on that one. Uh, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously assert, ascertained by law to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witness against him, to have compulsory processes for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and have the assistance of counsel for her, his defense. And a trial by jury says, uh, in, I don't know where it's at, but there's some, some place that gives it a... Um, a time limit, meaning you have a year. I think the law says you have a year to bring uh, charges against somebody. And if you don't have those charges brought within a year, then you, you're set free. Um, I have to find that, but you have, how can it, I think Congress just uh, maybe passed a law saying what would be considered a speedy trial. But I believe that the the um, can't find the text. But I do believe that the what's the word I'm looking for? The litmus test is a year. You have a year to bring charges against somebody, and okay. if you don't, so these people have been sitting for more than a year without even having charges brought against yeah, them. Yeah, and that's not that's not right on any level. Which is you know you can you can if you want to talk about the things that the American government has done to circumvent the Constitution, you can talk about Guantanamo Bay because yeah. that's why Guantanamo Bay was opened. Uh, they opened Guantanamo Bay because they needed a place to house these prisoners that they weren't subject to the due process constitution, you know the 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 constitutional due process afforded to everyone um, because in America, we believe the Constitution, the Constitution, in our belief, applies across the world. So if an American soldier or anything is in another country, they're, they're supposed to abide by the Constitution even yep. when they're there. Um, so we open Guantanamo Bay as a loophole um, 
to where it doesn't apply because Cuba doesn't recognize this, that, and the third. And it's a long, drawn-out story, but that's the whole origin of Guantanamo Bay was so that we could violate due yeah. process rights in order to do it. So if you want to do that, then send these people to Guantanamo Bay and show us your true colors. You, you know what I'm, you know, yeah. you know what I'm getting at. So at any rate, um, that's what that's what the the um, Guantanamo Bay w- was made for was was to circumvent the Constitution, and the Patriot Act kind of does that as well. It does so very my, much so. Yeah. So I, so I guess the the overarching theme is is if we are going to roll back some of these bad precedents, I'm all for it. Um, let's start with the Patriot Act. Um, yeah. But the, the the other thing that people need to realize too, and and I don't think we touched on this at all, is the Supreme Court can't just it can't just take up things on its own accord. And what I mean by that is Clarence Thomas can't just say, um, I don't agree with the with the we'll just use Dobbs. Uh, I don't agree with Dobbs. Let's talk about Dobbs. Let let's let's have a no, discussion. It has on to that. be brought before yes. them. There has to be a case that's brought before them before they can do anything. So those that, that are saying gay marriage is at risk, contraception's at risk, are there are there pending cases in lower courts to where it could get to the extreme? And I don't know if there are or not, but uh, the point is, is, is there going to be a case that comes before the Supreme Court where they could rule on that? Otherwise, they're safe. The, the Supreme Court can't just make unanimous decisions. It has to have it has to have a case that comes before them that that would make them question that decision. They can't just pull it out of thin air. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I, I feel like right now our biggest concern is going to be just getting out of from out from under the again, the emotional phase that everybody's going to go through right now because there's going to be a lot of assumptions yeah. thrown around. Um, I think it's imperative that we start to take how things are written a little bit more seriously. I think what what becomes a problematic piece of all this is that it brings to light just how negligent our Congress has become with regards to how, how they write laws. But think about it in this context. Think about... of even something as recent as them voting on stimulus checks. Sure. Remember all the bullshit that they were trying to pack into those laws or those those acts or mandates or whatever you want to call them. Just think about the th- volumes of pages of content that had zero to do with um, anything that was being... Um, written or decided upon it was just it's crazy how we don't hold their feet to the fire with regards to um just consistency on those things i mean in both sides of the aisle i mean it's it's gotten to the point where we just don't care anymore you know what they're saying what they're writing we don't there's i think we've just gotten used to it yeah but at the same time it's like what kind of what kind of quality it's like it's like with the elections for instance you know we've coming through 2016 and then 2020 we've been inundated from both sides of the aisle with regards to election integrity yep 
inundated. Absolutely. I mean, 20, I guess. Started in 2000. Yeah, with Bush and Gore. With Bush and Gore. Um, Not the first time that an election has been, uh, I think it was eight times, seven or eight times that major federal elections have been contested in the course of the history of the U.S. So it's not like it's a new thing. But the manner in which it's treated has changed entirely to where it's become almost condensed down to a sound bite. Yep. You know, you either you either believe it's fraud or it's not fraud. Hang chads. You can't you're not you're not allowed to believe that um there could be fraud, but not to the extent the people are saying. It has to be fraud to the nth degree. Or you can't believe that, you know, it's probably that there's no fraud, but there's a chance that there is, you know, possibilities for fraud you have to again be the nth degree you have to be no or all you know it's like there's no in between again no discussion and i feel like that's become kind of the general overarching narrative now here's my fear and this is why i bring this up sure because i was thinking about this but um with let's say missouri missouri within six hours of roe v wade being shot down passes trigger laws that basically lowers the iron curtain so to speak with regards to anybody that's you know even thinking about getting an abortion not within the scope of missouri but outside the scope of missouri wrong and then you have how many other states that are potentially following suit with regards to laws that are as equal or maybe more uh restrictive you know with regards to the process you know, what we're going to see if we're not careful, because then what, what you also see is you see Oregon, Washington, and California that are basically amping up their desire to increase in abor- abortion accessibility. Even to postnatal. Yeah, postnatal. Para- I think they call it perinatal. Perinatal. Yeah, which is basically murder. Yeah, it's, essentially the after, child after, is after the breathing. child is born, they can still abort the child after it's so. What, what you have and, and what we got to be careful about is what you'll see is that you'll see lines being, and I know we already have lines in a manner of speaking, but you'll have more, more defined lines that are being written within the scope of the U.S. You'll have the northeastern quadrant, you'll have the southern quadrant, you'll have the middle America, and then you'll have the western quadrant. Because one of the interesting um research pieces that I came across is that during 2013 to 2017, I think it was that time period that they looked at, but during that time period, um, the percentages of abortions dropped in the South by about six or 7%. Between that same time period in the Midwest, it dropped by, I want to say 13%. It was a higher percentage. And then in the Northeast, it rose by six or seven percent or whatever and then in the west of course it rose by a percentage what you're seeing is that you're seeing states that are driven by cultural mandates not by law yes you get where i'm going with this absolutely so again we're getting back to this if if tensions don't level out if this becomes like the sounding cry because then you have complete morons like AOC hmm. talking about we need to stamp into the streets and we need to they're basically advocating violence. You got Walt you got Waters that is basically 
threatening and AOC that's threatening. Biden the other day, you know, in his many mumbled words as he could say, yeah, <laughs> sounds like Walking Dead basically. But he basically stated is that let's be very clear. This is this is a mistake and a tragic mistake, and we'll do everything we can to to fight this or whatever the case be. It's like, dude, this is federal. This is federal level shit that's going on, and you're talking about fighting it because you were talking about how he had threatened to use emergency yep. powers to institute abortion He's, access uh, on yep. military bases. He's essentially going to send doctors to military bases in states that uh, have banned abortion and allowing them to perform abortions on military bases. So what you've basically done, if you try to do something like that, which I don't think, I think would be stupid for him to try. I think a lot of it's rhetoric, but But nonetheless, continue. nonetheless, if he's allowed to move forward with his rhetoric, so to speak, and keeps pushing on that, what you're doing is you're basically basically alienating the entire other half of the country that doesn't agree with the precedent. Yep. So what you're going to have is you're going to have, you know, red states become more entrenched in their belief that there should be absolutely zero allowment for it and not solely f not for the fact that they don't believe that in the manner of discussing things logically that there shouldn't be an allowment for it not in that manner but simply for the fact that you have a bully in the white house an old fart of a bully in the white house with a shotgun through the front door trying to force you because you know we have army bases in every single state so you're basically telling every state that that army base doesn't that falls outside the scope of state law somehow, you, you get where I'm going with this. You're yeah. going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing the envelope until you basically infuriate an entire half of the country to the point that we're like, well, go fuck yourself. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. <laughs> I don't think it will. <laughs> I don't think it will either. I don't think, but you get what I'm saying though, is that we play into that. Instead of trying to instead of like going going to commercial when Biden starts to you know which yeah, they should do they should the CNN Fox all these other news stations they should exercise some journalistic responsibility and go to commercial when Biden starts ranting off about stuff that really in the grand scheme of things does nothing short of cause people to get just right down pissed off at each Absolutely. other Absolutely So you know what you're going to have is basically governors at each other's throats because you're going to have you're going to have states like Arizona that are very conservative and then California that are not in alignment with each other on any of, you know, you're going to have Missouri that on one side of the stick, you know, yeah, we want to stop abortions because we don't believe in it. But at the same time, we don't want to give any kind of leeway. So any adjacent state that doesn't believe the way that we do, we're just going to suddenly stop dealing with them because that's how it that's all that's what happens is it takes one thing it takes one major issue to just spill over into every other aspect of life that was the civil war it was one major issue i mean there were other issues that sure. culminated into sure. the civil war but it was one major and i'm not saying that that's where we're going to get to but i'm saying that that's going to cause more damage than mm, it's you may not be saying that but a lot of the rhetoric that i've seen on twitter and on Facebook, because of this decision, 
is that we need to start a legal civil war. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know either. But I agree with, um, you know, Tim pool. Anybody that watches him know that he, he's been talking about civil war for years now. And every, every episode he does, he somehow comes around to, Oh, we're on the verge of a civil war every single episode. And he's, he's kind of made fun of for it. He's known for that. But I do believe he's right in one aspect that we are in a cold civil war right now. Yeah, that we're it, not a not a hot war where people are fighting each other, but it's it's like the Cold War uh, in the eighty yeah. in the sixties and eighties with Russia. Yeah, we're in a cold civil war where people are drawing lines and and entrenching on certain issues and things like that. And I think that's where we're running into problems. States are putting their nukes on the borders of each other. That's what I'm saying. And I really, I really think that we need to stop. We need to, on both sides, not just, I mean, the rights guilty of this too. We need to, we need to stop entrenching on certain issues, you know, gun control. There's no reason why we can't compromise and come to some sort of agreement. My red line is red flag laws. If, as long as, if we can stay away from red flag laws and come to some sort of conclusion, or at least include some due process into, I have no problems with, um, you know, a family member coming to the court and saying, Hey, you you know, uh, my uncle Bubba, He's pretty unstable and he's been, (laughs) he's been saying some pretty crazy shit, um, talking about, you know, going and and hurting some people. Maybe you should look into him. No problem with that. Uh, You know, investigate, uh, do some due diligence, pull him into court, have him, have him, have him defend himself. You know, I have no problem with that. That I I think that's actually a a pretty good idea. We do that with every other law. If uh, you know, Hey, I really think this guy is going to rob a rob a bank. I've been hearing a lot of talk that he really wants to rob a bank. Maybe you should pull him in for questioning. Um, <laughs> He's got blueprints in his yeah, basement. Yeah, like I've seen blueprints. First National Bank. <laughs> you know, he he went out and bought zip ties and ski masks <laughs> yeah. and 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 all this stuff. And I really do believe. You know, I have no problem. Well, with that. perfect exig- perfect example the guy that was out front of Kavanaugh's house exactly the the sister that talked him down hero yeah I mean that right there is a perfect example of what can happen to prevent situations from happening that's 100% that was a red flag she in her mind there was a red flag that he I mean of course this was a pretty extreme situation he was on the verge he was on his way or something he was there he was in front of his house he was in front of Kavanaugh's house and he saw U.S. Marshals set up in front of – he saw a car parked with two federal agents in it. And he kind of walked down the street and called his sister because he's like, hey, I'm having – and he called her and he said, hey, I'm having some some suicidal thoughts and I'm, I'm thinking about doing some bad stuff. And she talked him down and then she hung up and called the police and said, hey, my brother's here out in front of Kavanaugh's house and they went down the block and arrested the guy. But see, that's a good point too, is that what you bring up is with regards to that situation, the guy having suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't simply of the fact that he was driven to Brett Kavanaugh's house. There were other things yes. involved there. So, I mean, that, that just lends, that just gives more structure to the conversation of with red flag laws. If you do see somebody that's exhibiting issues 
mental issues that, you know, let's say for instance, that that person is not talking about shooting anybody, but is demonstrating some severe mental um, hurdles, whatever they be, that that should be a red flag to you for on on the, the position that, hey, we need to talk or, hey, we need to go look and seek out help, whatever form that help comes in. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know, red flags should just be a common thing that we look out for. It's like, you know, there, there will always be a left and right, but if the left and right can't, if the left and right gets to the point where they can't see the fringes of their belief as being wrong, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if, if a person that believes really strongly conservative in conservative beliefs, whether they be religiously motivated or whatever the case be, if that person suddenly starts to see visions of them driving into a building with an AK-47 and shooting people, then, you know, they should, if they don't think there's something wrong with that, then there's a problem. And the same goes for the left. If if there's a, an Antifa person that suddenly believes that it's okay for them to drive into the middle of a, a rally, a pro-life rally or whatever the case be and suddenly start shooting people up because, you know, they don't agree with what I agree with. You know, they, you know what I mean is that when we get to the point when the middle of the left and right, when middle right and middle left get to the point where they no longer are recognizing the fringe as what they are, then what's the point of a red flag law? You know, it's like you suddenly have a culture that suddenly doesn't see anything as wrong anymore. You know, that yeah. that's the extreme is really I, hopefully we never get to that point. But you know, you get what I'm saying is that there there always has to be a larger voice in the middle. Um, sort of like, you know, what's that? What's that uh, old, you know, like in sitcoms and stuff in cartoons, you always have like the one character on your shoulder, the oh, angel, yeah. the, the angel devil and on the, the other. Devil, yeah. But hopefully somewhere in between is common sense, you know, and hopefully somewhere in between the two fringes of argument with regardless of what the issue whether it's roe v wade whether it's gun rights whether it's uh patriot act you know whatever the case be whatever the argument is whatever the discussion is if the the two sides cannot recognize the fringes of of their arguments then there's never going to be a place where they can meet to where constructive conversation can happen and thus what we're always going to be presented with is laws that congress writes that are going to be filled with pork because here's here's my thoughts on pork. Sure. My thoughts on pork is that it's the last attempt by the minority voice to get their last digs in. That's how I feel about it. You know, it's like sometimes it's a minority, you know, usually all laws are to some extent driven by the majority opinion. Um, however, they're, you know, the minority opinion always tries to find a way to get language into the law that, you know, does something contrary to what the rest of the law is really trying to accomplish. So that's because there's no real conversation happening. It's usually that just one party's trying to run with their agenda or, or, or the vice versa. So, and that's what we have to get away from. We have to get away from the agendas. We have to get away from the, you know, yeah, I get that you're the predominant party in power right now, but, you know, you have to make as much, if not more effort now as the predominant party to make sure that the other side is being heard. And that's the problem, is that when blue gets in power, they don't give a shit what red say. When red gets in the power, they don't give a shit what blue says. And 
all the people that are in between just basically get glanced over because they don't have enough voice to really get into the conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? So well, the, the, the problem I think goes back to our discussion on cognitive dissonance. Yeah. People believe something for so long that, that any, any new evidence, they, they ignore any new evidence yeah. because they're so far invested. And that I don't, I don't, there's, there's a term for that too. The, the investment, ratio or whatever they yeah. call it. There's a, there's a word for it too. It escapes me right now. I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find it. Um, but it's, it's related to cognitive dissonance where you, you're invested so much in a belief that even when presented with new evidence, you refuse to see it because you've already spent so much time defending this belief that you, you, you don't, you don't want to even entertain yeah. that anything else could be possible. It's, it's also the same, this, uh, this is kind of a funny way to put it, but it, ha- the, it happened with Lost. Okay. The TV show Lost. That disappointed every single yeah. watcher yeah. in every, the last every, season. Everybody was pissed off with Lost. But the reason why was people kept watching it because they've already spent four seasons watching the show. So even though the last season was horrible, they finished it because they had already invested so much yeah. time in it that they wanted to see how it ended. Everybody knew what the ending was. They just kept lying about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so I mean, I use that as an example because that's really what's going on is people have held these beliefs for so long and so adamantly that they're not willing to concede on any of the other points. And, and we need to get away from that. You know what Lost taught us? That disappointment is mutual. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear that. <laughs> You can find us on Facebook at PA Between the Lines. You can find us on Twitter at, P- at the BTL Podcast. And you can find us at our website, thebtlpodcast.com. Dot C-O-M. Dot C-O-M. Um, so anyway, go back and check out some of our old podcasts. I think we've um, we've beaten that horse This horse death. is gasping for breath yeah, right we're, now. We're, we're really um, we're beating that dead that dead horse pretty, pretty hard. Um, but I just want, you know, to encourage everybody to go back and listen to our old podcasts. We have a really good podcast on the whole, um, cognitive dissonance and all of the separations that we've, we've made, uh, in this Republic and so on and so forth. So go back and check that stuff out. Uh, tune in to our future podcasts. We will eventually get through this bill of rights. <laughs> that, that we've been trying to get through. But um, as things pop up, like today, we just had to talk about Roe yeah. because it's it's on everybody's mind. And it and one, it's pretty historic. This yeah. is, this is something. Years. Yeah, 50 years of precedent. Have it's older than me. Yeah, it, it, it's been the law of the land. Um, I mean, thank goodness my mother didn't abort me. But um there's just, some adults I'd like to abort. Yeah, yeah. Can, can we talk about that? <laughs> That's an important talk. If they're going to fight yeah. so hard for abortion rights, then I believe we ought to be able to abort certain adults. Certain adults. At their 33-year yeah. trimester. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just go back and check out our old stuff. Um, you know, let's let's kind of lower the temperature yeah. a little bit um, and so that we can have a fruitful discussion. Um, the only way that we're going to get to that point is if we can 
you know, kind of lower the temperature and have an honest, an honest discussion on what's going on in this country. So um, hopefully we can get to that point. And um, until then, until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.